Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. So it is Friday, the 14th of February. Happy Valentine's Day. Uh, Maybe you are uh, a person who isn't planning on giving or receiving any particular Valentine's today. Well, let me tell you, God has already sent you a Valentine. His name is Jesus. Uh, If you you were to just Google um, the word Valentine, uh, let's see, how would you do this? John 316 Valentine card or Valentine from God. Uh, This this John 316 card. Um, image will appear lots lots of them like right there's lots of people who have turned John 316 into a Valentine's Day card because the words uh, loved that only begotten son that believes in and have line up or you could use the E and the everlasting for the last one to create the Valentine acronym so um, God has sent you a Valentine he has sent you his very heart your soul has a lover and his name is Jesus. And I just think that's important to be mindful of today. The greatest love story that's ever told and that's ever going to be told is not the temporal love that we may or may not experience in this life with another person. Um, the greatest love story ever told is the love of God poured out in Jesus Christ. Um, it's about the incarnation of Christ. It's about the life and ministry Uh, of Christ. It's about the atoning sacrifice of Christ upon the cross at Calvary. It's about um, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's about the ascension of Christ. It it is about the reign of Christ right now as the Lord of, uh, of our lives and the lover of our souls. And yes, it is about the fact that this greatest love story uh, is yet to be fully realized when we come face to face with him and we are known fully or we know fully, even as we are fully known, um, it's a great opportunity today to talk about love. Like the world is talking about love today. And so it's a great opportunity for you and I to talk about love. And it's a great opportunity for us to tell other people, to share with others, the greatest love story ever told. And it is the love story of God for people. God loves you. God loves you. God loves you in ways that are almost beyond my ability to describe and yet um, are available right now, I mean, right now to you by the power of the Holy Spirit. So if you've never turned toward God's offer of love in Christ, let today be the day that the greatest love story ever told in all of human history becomes your story. The greatest love story ever told in all of human history can become your love story today. All you have to do is turn turn to God and say, um, happy Valentine's Day, Father. Thank you. I receive this gift of love that you have sent in Jesus Christ. And I, I believe that you have not only so loved the world, but so loved me that you have given your only begotten son that whoever, including me, believes in him 
should not perish but have everlasting life. Father, I want that. And I receive the Valentine you're sending today in Jesus. We'll be right back. That's the walk-up music for Adam Holtz from Focus on the Families Plugged In. Welcome back, sir. Always good to talk to you on a Friday morning, Carmen. Happy Friday, man. Happy Friday. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy. Happy. Uh, you've got kids, so Valentine's Day is completely different than it was before Kids Day. It was. It is. and It was and is. I can't even get my tenses right this morning. <laughs> yes, we're... Uh, we're merely trying to survive to the end of the week, and exactly. and as it so happens, Valentine's Day is right there to greet us with its weary arms. <laughs> there you go. Okay, um, tonight, though, is tonight the night for Sonic the Hedgehog? Tonight is the night for Sonic the Hedgehog. Are you excited? Are you I a closet Sonic fan? I might be. It's possible. You might be. Okay, well, I like I how fast he it. moves. Yes. I mean, could, don't you wish you could run that fast? Yeah, anything close to it. Yeah. All right, yeah. talk talk with us about this movie, Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah, for those who have no idea what we're talking about, Sonic the Hedgehog is a blue hedgehog that runs really fast. He is a video game character. He is Sega Games' most uh, well-known character. He's been around a long time. I mean, Sega Games have been gone for a long time, so you know that tells you right there. And you know, video game movies are often mm, not great, but I went into the, to this one with really low expectations. And I was pleasantly surprised. And I was pleasantly surprised on two levels. This was a pretty fun movie. Uh, I laughed a lot. I thought the story worked great. And I was surprised uh, in a positive way that it doesn't have much content either. Uh, just a smattering of profanity and, uh, you know, a little comic booky style violence and, a, and a, a bit of toilet humor. But not even really that much of that by the standards of these kind of movies. In terms of the story itself... Um, Sonic finds himself on Earth in a little sleepy town in Montana called Green Hills, and uh, he's sort of in exile. He's trying to stay, uh, keep a low profile so that nobody finds him, and that's because when he runs, he generates a tremendous amount of energy, and so that tends to draw bad guys to him. Um, but uh, one night he's frustrated and lonely and goes out for a run and sets off a, a, an electrical uh, I guess you call it an event that's sort of like an EMP, an electromagnetic pulse. It knocks out all the power in the Pacific Northwest. Of course, the government is not happy. And, of course, they send in the nefarious Jim Carrey playing Dr. Robotnik to see what's going on. And from there, things get very video gamey. So um, in terms of the themes here, really nice emphasis on friendship, on sacrifice, on being content with small and quiet things as opposed to thinking you need the big flashy things. So pretty nice movie, Carmen. Oh, see, I like that. I like when you come to us with pretty nice movie on a Friday. All right. How about downhill? How about downhill? downhill. (laughs) Right. You can only go downhill from Sonic the Hedgehog. So, well, we're going to zag in a really different direction because this is a totally different kind of movie. It's, it's a remake of a Swedish movie called force major and this time we have uh, Will Ferrell and Julia Louis-Dreyfus uh, as a 50-ish couple who are having problems in their marriage. Things aren't good. They take a ski trip to try to 
sort of not rekindle things, but just to get away from the work and and kind of have a reset with their with their family. And they're on the deck of a of a chalet, and there's an avalanche. It's an intentional avalanche. They're just blowing off a little snow, but it gets a little out of hand and it rolls over the deck of the chalet. Well, Will Ferrell, as you can imagine, thinks he's going to die. And instead of protecting his wife and children, he grabs his cell phone and runs. And that's the setup here and the damage that this symbolic act has caused because we see him on his phone a lot anyway. And it's clear that, you know, that's become the most important thing in his life. And so this is really a midlife crisis, marriage in crisis kind of movie. It's R-rated for a a fair bit of, of sensual material, but nothing crazy explicit in terms of what we see uh, and language and the kind of things that you see in these sorts of movies. We typically don't talk about R-rated movies, but this is one that I think um, deals with marriage, even though it's Will Ferrell and Julia Julia Louis-Dreyfus. That's really hard to say. Um, It's one that I think talks about the things that that make marriage hard and the things that tempt us uh, to check out or to make bad decisions. Um, and it's a, I think a, a pretty interesting look at those things, you know, with the caveat that there's quite a bit of content to deal with here. So there'd be a lot of people that have no interest in that whatsoever, but some people might gravitate towards those more serious movies with this one has kind of a comedic overlay, but it really isn't a comedy. Hmm. All right. And then I've got a third movie listed here that you and I are going to talk about, about which I know nothing. And it yes. is called The Photograph. The photograph. So this is basically a standard issue romance movie about a reporter who's doing some work uh, on an old photograph that he finds. And that leads him to an older woman who, of course, has a, a beautiful, wonderful daughter whom he falls in love with. And it is the unraveling of a multi-generational secret. Uh, if you think The Notebook or Nicholas Sparks stuff, you're in the right territory in terms of the vibe of this movie. Uh, It's PG-13 as well, but this one pushes the boundaries, I think, in terms of some of the sensual content that we see for a PG-13 movie. Um, And, you know, a a bit of of language here, but this is your primary Valentine's Day programming if you're looking for a romantic movie. Um, I don't know that it's the best Valentine's movie I've ever seen come out on this particular Hallmarky holiday, uh, but it is the one that's landing in theaters today. All right. So when we come back, Adam Holt and I are actually going to talk about Plugged In's movie award winners. You can find the list at Plugged In, uh, which is a focus on the family ministry, but you can find it at PluggedIn.com. So next up, what are the Plugged In movie awards for 2020? We'll be right back. I'm 22 for a moment. She feels better than ever we're on fire. Returning now to my conversation with Adam Holtz from Focus on the Family's Plugged In. You can find our next topic of conversation at PluggedIn.com. Drum roll, please, Paul. Oh, you want it right now? Okay, hold oh, on. Can we not have a drum roll? Yeah, here we go. Drum roll. Come on. There we go. <gasps> I love it. All right. We're going to talk with Adam Holtz about Plugged In uh, Movie Awards 2020. What do we got, man? 
Well, we um, we have four categories: uh, best movies for teens, for kids, for Christians, or for adults, and best Christian movie. Uh, and each category, we nominate five. So I will just do sort of a speed round and, and focus on our winner in each category. And we have our pick and readers' pick. So best movies for kids this year, we nominated Abominable, Aladdin, How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World, Klaus and Toy Story 4. And we picked... Need the drum roll. He's going to be on that. Yeah, that's a long drum roll. Uh, <laughs> I don't have any Toy short ones. <laughs> we picked Toy Story 4, and our readers picked Aladdin. So uh, we love the themes in Toy Story 4. It's just, I feel sorry for all of the movie makers going up against Pixar because, you know, even after all these years, Pixar usually walks up to the plate and you know even a bad pixar movie is like a a stand-up double right <laughs> yeah absolutely so that was our our pick for this year all right how about best movie for teens the nominees were avengers endgame blinded yep. by the light harriet little women and togo and drum roll plugged in's pick is it is harriet um, we loved Harriet, and you might not think of Harriet, which is about Harriet Tubman, as a teen movie, but we chose this because we thought this is a movie that parents and teens could watch together and really talk about this time in history, talk about racism. It's a great conversation starter uh, about a woman of deep faith, and even though this isn't a Christian movie, um, this is a movie that has a lot of deep themes about Harriet Tubman's relationship with God. So that was our pick. And our readers had a tie. Uh, Avengers Endgame and Little Women were their votes. All right. And then um, uh, let's talk about the best movie for adults. The nominees, 1917, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, which was my favorite, uh, The Farewell, uh -huh. and A Hidden Life, uh, Just Mercy, which I have not yet seen and I regret. What was Plugged In's pick? We picked A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. My Woo -woo. favorite movie of 2019. <laughs> Me too. What a great, what a great movie. I mean, we've talked about it a lot. It's about a jaded journalist who gets assigned a profile piece on Fred Rogers, and his life is transformed by Fred Rogers' kindness. And it it really shows us how simple acts of kindness can make a profound difference in somebody's life, which is a message that we need right now. And our readers picked 1917, which was we, – we had a, a pretty fierce battle because we had a couple people who wanted to pick 1917 on our team as well. Uh, this is a World War One movie that really focuses on, on heroism and sacrifice as these movies are wont to do. All right. And then we have a category for best Christian movie. It's always interesting to me that we sort of have a genre for this. Yeah. Um, but the nominees uh, for Best Christian Movie are Breakthrough, Jesus is King, uh, Overcomer, The Pilgrim's Progress, and Unplanned. Now, I got to tell you, I I loved all of these. Um, I, yeah. I loved all of these movies. This would be really difficult for me to pick. So what was Plugged In's pick in this category? I feel like I want Paul to do the drums one I'm more so time. I'm so sorry. Yeah, fine. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that was very satisfying. Uh, we picked Unplanned, and this is a pretty interesting pick for us because this is an R-rated movie, and it's R-rated because Unplanned is the story of Abby Johnson, uh, who is a, a Christian but uh, has a deep pro-choice conviction and ends up as 
Oh, there it was again. And ends up as the director of a Planned Parenthood clinic for a number of years. And then has a, a moment where she participates in a procedure and really sees it for what it is. So it's it's R-rated because we get some pretty graphic depictions of uh, the outcome of, of abortion. This is this is a hard movie. There are scenes in this movie that I will never forget, but I think it's an important movie too because it, it takes our – our often sanitized discussion about abortion as an abstraction, and it makes it very, very real. So that was our pick, and that was our reader's pick as well this year. That's amazing. Uh, I mean, well, amazing that um, there's agreement from the critics and the people, right? Yeah, Sometimes the critics happened. and the people don't agree. So there I you know. go. All right, so you guys can read um, all of these at Plugged In. Dot com. There's a reason that we talk about these kinds of things during this particular week, and that is because um, it's sort of like award season. Is that the way that I'm yep. supposed to think about this? That's correct. And, and so uh, the Academy Awards and other things are taking place. Um, um, we, we, you and I probably have time to talk about one more topic, and we have like six things on our list. So, right. um, so is, there, is there one thing on this list that you feel like people just needed to have a heads up on as we move into this week? You know – I think I want to talk about Chris Pratt's new production company. Uh, Chris it. Pratt, of course, is an actor uh, from the Jurassic Park movies, and, and of course, he has become really a megastar. Um, and he was on what Parks and Rec. He started on a sitcom. I'm I'm totally spacing which one it was. Uh, anyway, um, I digress. He has started a production company that is uh, based on all things of the Pledge of Allegiance, and he wants to create movies that have an appeal to those on the right and the left that are healing our cultural divide. And I thought, you know what? What a great redemptive thing to focus on. Um, I, I love the fact that he is recognizing that our culture is is terribly broken and divided. And instead of you know picking his partisan side, he's saying, hey, we want to tell stories. Uh, it's called Indivisible Productions that reach across that gap and try to pull things together, pull people together. So um, I love it. He said on Instagram, uh, our mission statement is to create entertaining content, focusing on themes which will help bridge the growing divide in our country and world. You know, make the world a better place. No biggie. You're welcome. (laughs) So there you go. We will look forward to seeing what his company comes up with. Absolutely. Um, All right. So uh, we appreciate all the good you're doing at Plugged In. And we want uh, parents in particular to go and check out PluggedIn.com as you are helping your young people make decisions about the kinds of media that they consume, why they might be watching what they're watching. Uh, And certainly we want to always be mindful that that which we see sets these hooks in our minds. And so we only want to be allowing our eyes to see those things which are, uh, you know, ultimately edifying. And so uh, we thank you for what you do. Every day, Adam, and thank you for being with us here today on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks so much, Carmen. We'll talk to you next week. All right. We'll be right back. Love is patient. Love is kind. When we consider what the Bible says about love and what the Bible says about the God who is love and what the Bible says about marriage... We should find ourselves today asking the question, what is marriage and who gets to define it? We live in a cultural context where marriage is not only grossly misunderstood, but often um, terribly perverted. And so um, 
to to have a conversation today about love and marriage. I thought that it would be helpful to talk with my friend Sue Sire. Among other things, Sue has written a book entitled From Genesis to Revelation, God Takes a Bride. It is a conversation about what marriage really is. Um, and it explores it explores this reality that because human marriage is really an image of the divine relationship, uh, that human marriage can't be rightly understood apart from the gospel, and the gospel, well, can't really be fully understood apart from understanding what the Bible says about marriage. And so that's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. So as Christians, we acknowledge that God's word has the power to transform our lives. Um, And God's word is um, maybe grossly underutilized by many of us today. And so I want to invite you into the word of God. And I want to invite you to um, consider maybe getting a study Bible that, um, that becomes your companion for the way in which you engage God's word. So right now we are, um, during this month, giving away copies of Dr. Tony Evans' study Bible, where he can combines lessons on kingdom living and inspirational articles with um, his own sermons and study notes. And um, one of the really cool aspects of this particular Bible is that it gives you access to 150 sermon videos by Tony Evans um, and a Bible reading plan. And so just all kinds of really cool stuff. So if you want to have some help applying truth to life and empower your uh, your life in Christ with the Word of God, we want to invite you to log on to MyFaithRadio.com and enter to win one of the copies of the Tony Evans Study Bible we're giving away each week. We'll be right back. Every person you see was created by God to bear His image and deserves to be treated with dignity and respect. This is Max Lucado. Imagine the impact this promise would have on the society that embraced it. What civility it would engender. What kindness it would foster. Racism will not flourish when people believe their neighbors bear God's image. Will society write off the indigent, the mentally ill, the inmate, or the refugee? Not if we believe, truly believe, that every human being is God's idea, and He has no bad ideas. High IQ or low standing? Doesn't matter. First string or cut from the squad? Doesn't matter. You are a diamond, a rose, and a jewel purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. And because God's promises are unbreakable, our hope is unshakable. This is Max Lucado. opening of the book from Genesis to Revelation, God Takes a Bride, we read this. The great sweeping story of what God is doing in and through the world is a love story, a love story in which God chooses a people to be his bride, pays the price for her sins, prepares her for union with himself, joins himself to her in a one flesh union, and then reigns with her eternally by his side. This is the church's story. This is our story. Sue Sire goes on to say, this greatest love story ever lived begins in the eternal purposes of God before the world was created. In Genesis, God creates all that exists out of nothing. As the pinnacle of his creation, 
God creates man and woman in his own image to live in fellowship with him. God then commands the man and woman to be fruitful and multiply and to rule over creation as God's agents. Um, so in this book, From Genesis to Revelation, God Takes a Bride, we, we learn about God's institution of marriage between man and woman, in which the two become one flesh. And we also learn how this one flesh union is really designed by God to be uh, an image of the eternal reality of his relationship to his bride, the church. Joining me now, the author of From Genesis to Revelation, God Takes a Bride, Sue Sire. Sue, welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. Good morning. It's so good to be with you this morning and talk about love on the day just before Valentine's Day. It's an important conversation to have, so I'm glad to be here. Yeah, thank you so much. So when we talk about love and the misunderstandings in our culture of the concept of love, um, and the, just the reality of just rampant loneliness and even bitterness in our culture. Um, when we, when, when I use the term love and you approach this from a biblical perspective, what should we be thinking about? Well, love is not something that we define as human beings. We don't look around us and say, oh, there's love or there's love. We look to Scripture to see what God's love is like, and then we try to be an image of that love. So the reality is God. He offers us the definition of what love is, and then we portray that to the world. But it's a mistake to think it or the origin is with us, that we look around us and then we project back on God. And our society does that a lot today. We look around us for love and then redefine it in human terms. You know, we were in uh, Walmart yesterday, and they have flowers everywhere, big baskets of them for people to purchase. And I suspect that for a lot of people who go grocery shopping in the next day or so, they're going to be um, maybe not getting those flowers. And so their own loneliness is heightened by just the visual image of this. And it's important then for us to come back and think about what love is and how God loves us. I read recently where Cigna, the healthcare provider, discovered they did a study and said that 46% of adults in the United States are sometimes or always lonely. So there's a lot of people out there that then are searching for love out of that loneliness because of fractured family relationships, because they're um, looking for love in hookups on college campuses or cohabiting relationships. They're searching for that love and searching in the wrong places because God defines it. And then we need to live in light of his love and share that love with those around us. So, Sue, I don't I don't think that it could have been said any more uh, any more accurately than you have just framed it Um, in our culture. It seems as if many people have made uh, love a God like they have. They're pursuing physical love or some kind of satisfaction for uh, whatever aching need they feel they feel needs to be fulfilled in themselves. Um, And they imagine that that must be the love void. Um, And they're looking for identity and value and even purpose in relationships that simply cannot bear the weight or the freight of that, because that's a space that was designed in our lives to be filled 
by a relationship with God and God alone. Talk with us about who God is as love. Um, in my book, From Genesis to Revelation, God Takes a Bride, the, the working title before we went to publication was The Greatest Love Story Ever Lived. Amen. And, and that's what the Bible is about. From Genesis to Revelation, it's God taking a bride. It begins with Genesis when God institutes the marriage of a man and woman intentionally to be an image of his relationship with the church, with the believing people. And then the Abrahamic covenant points to that marriage. Circumcision was a premarital act in the ancient Near East. And then the Ten Commandments are the betrothal. So the Ten Commandments are not harsh demands by a God who wants us to measure up. They are they speak of a husband's willingness and commitment and vow to provide for his wife. We don't work seven days a week, 24 hours a day, because God says, I'll provide, take a day off. We have children that God gives us because that's part of the husband's responsibility to um, provide for children. So we honor our parents through whom God acts. All of those commandments are God's promises to his bride and her response. And then, of course, while Moses goes up on Mount Sinai to get the blueprint for the tabernacle where God will dwell with his bride, she commits adultery. And the rest of Scripture, then, is God wooing back his bride as she continually and persistently turns away from him until in the New Testament, the word becomes flesh and dwelt among us. The word for dwelt is the word for tabernacled in the Old Testament. So Jesus comes as the bridegroom, and he woos his bride. He dies for her to pay her sins. So this is a different kind of love. This is not a what-can-I-get-out-of-the-relationship love, who's-meeting-my-needs love. God uh, witnesses to his people a self-giving love, a self-giving that goes right to the cross for his bride. And then in Revelation, it's the marriage is consummated, and God, in tenderness, wipes the tears from the bride's eyes, and she sees him face to face and reigns with him forever. So it begins in Genesis and goes through to Revelation with the most um, intimate relationship with God, we're lifted right up through Christ into the life of the Trinity. It's a love relationship. It's a self-giving relationship. And that relationship then defines us. It says that we're not alone in the universe. We are belong to Jesus Christ. He loves us. And, and when we're um, alone, we're not, because Christ says he'll be with us forever. When we feel weak, he carries us. When we're hungry, he feeds us. When we're frightened, he speaks to us. It's, it's such a self-giving relationship on Christ's part. And then we're to um, model that relationship in our own human relationships. So when we come back from the break, Sue, let's, um, let's have that conversation as well. I think that um, we only understand Scripture's instructions related to human marriage if we actually understand um, this reality that from Genesis to Revelation, God takes a bride, that there really is a union 
with God that believers experience, that that is, that is the reality. I want to talk about that when we come back. My conversation partner is Sue Sire. The book is From Genesis to Revelation, God Takes a Bride. We'll be right back. If you've ever wondered to yourself, um, you know, who am I in terms of my real relationship with the living God? The reality is you are a part of the bride. You are designed to be in uh, in not only a temporal but an eternal relationship restored with the Father through the Son. And it is intimate and it is real. And because we don't understand who we are in relationship to God, um, it's very, very difficult for us. In fact, I would say impossible for us to live in right relationship to one another, even in that most important of relationships, which is marriage. And so helping us sort through uh, much of this is Sue Sire. Her book is is just it's really excellent. I can't um, I can't recommend it highly enough. From Genesis to Revelation, God takes a bride. Um, It walks through the entirety of Scripture from Genesis to Revelation and exposes the reality of the relationship that God has with us. Um, And this relationship is real. Sue, talk about the reality of our of our union, not only with Christ, but in marriage with God. Like this is a real thing. This isn't something that uh, is is a metaphor. This is a real thing. This is a reality. It is. And I, I want to quote to you just a short passage from Tim Keller's book, the Presbyterian minister in New York, his book on marriage. Um, this kind of sums it up. He says, to be loved but not known is comforting but superficial. To be known and not loved is our greatest fear. But to be fully known and truly loved is, well, a lot like being loved by God. That says it. This reality is that God knows us fully, completely. He knows our weaknesses. He knows our sin. He knows our shortcomings. And yet he's committed to us and loves us and died for us. Scripture says God demonstrated his love. How did he do that? By sending flowers? Well, he does send flowers in springtime. But the greater demonstration is that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. So this love that God has for us is formed by vows. God has made vows. Um, It's not like a cohabiting relationship in today's modern world where people examine each other daily to see if they measure up or if the relationship's over No, no. God has made vows to us that he knows us fully and loves us fully and is committed to us for all eternity. And our human marriages ought to model that. So the relationship is permanent. It's exclusive. You can't have any other husbands. Christ is the only bridegroom of the church. She can't have any other loves besides Christ who are any other loves that supersede Christ. I mean, we can love a spring day or a gorgeous sunset, but that can't take the place of the ultimate love for our bridegroom, for Jesus Christ. And it's a self-giving love. Christ gave his life for his bride, and we are to 
in return give our whole being to Christ. And as we model that in our human marriages, we're to be self-giving. We're to be concerned that the other person is becoming the person that God has ordained for them to be. It's not about are my needs being met. You know, uh, years ago there was a Love Boat um, sitcom on TV, and Captain Steubing married several couples on the boat, and he changed the marriage vows. So it was not till death do us part. It was till love departs. In other words, they were treating love as sort of a romantic, um, emotional feeling, and when that departs, then the marriage would be over. But that's not biblical. Biblical is that the marriage is based, sure, there's romance and and, um, caring for the other person, but it's based on vows and the self-giving nature of marriage, which is a model of God's self-giving to us. And there's fruitfulness in the marriage, and there's repentance and forgiveness in the marriage. God is always calling us to repent, and he forgives us over and over when we fail to honor him and love him first in our lives. I just, so, um, I'm, I'm, I'm taking notes as you're talking because I feel like, Sue, um, our misunderstanding of marriage in the culture today and the ways in which we are not just tempted. I mean, I think the the ways in which we are indoctrinated to understand that love is something so much less than who God is and, and marriage is something so much less than what the Bible describes and so much less than the reality that we can experience with God uh, through a union in and with Christ. When we, when we misunderstand this, this entire uh, theology that you are helping us see, um, we miss the best of what a relationship with Christ is intended to be. That's right. That's right. You know, I'm I'm not, I'm Reformed, I'm Presbyterian, so I'm speaking a little out of my denomination, but it's my understanding that Catholic nuns wear a wedding ring on their ring finger to show that they are the bride of Christ. They are modeling the bride of Christ. And I think, you know, that visual image is very interesting because we are. Maybe we ought to have another ring on our finger or something to to realize that we are in reality the part of the bride of Christ and our human marriages are meant to be an image of that. And yes, they're a fallen image. They're they're an image that's tainted with sin. But as we strive to live into our marriage relationship with Christ, our human marriages then take on different understanding and a different meaning that's very different than the culture. The culture is so filled with personal satisfaction and personal actualization. And any relationship that doesn't um, help me to be self-actualized is just over. It is meaningless. But that's not the biblical view. That's not who we are in Christ, and that's not who we're to be in our relationship with our spouse. I just, uh, you're you're so right, Sue. You're just absolutely so right. Um, Let me just encourage uh, our listeners to go online. You need to Google from Genesis to Revelation, God takes a bride, the divine marriage of which human marriage is an image. Sue Sire is the author. Sire is spelled C-Y-R-E. 
Um, Sue, what a blessing to get to have this conversation with you on this day in which the culture celebrates love, um, but oftentimes such a poor misunderstanding of it. Um, Just really, really appreciate your being with us here today. Thank you so much for having me, Carmen. Absolutely. All right. So on this Valentine's Day, let me remind you that um, God is uh, God is love and God is offering to you today um, not just the greatest love story ever told, but the greatest love experience ever, ever possible. God wants to be in a restored relationship with you today. This most intimate of relationships. You're already fully known by God. Don't you want to know the one who fully knows you? Um, And don't you want to be in this kind of intimate relationship that we are discussing uh, here today? Let me tell you that you can have it. Just turn to him. Happy Valentine's Day. Have a great weekend and God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.